Welcome to The Leaders Who Care, a podcast powered by Dynamis Group. We are here to give the stage and support to those committed to create a positive and lasting impact, way beyond the profits and margins, the leaders of the world who care for others and serve a bigger purpose. Join us on the journey of creating a better, more caring world. And now to your host, Marian Tamalkov. I'm super excited to uh, welcome today a very special guest, uh, um, a leader who cares, a leader who actually is um, uh, someone, uh, one of the youngest and most talented uh, uh, leaders that I have come across in a very uh, dear industry and field that we all probably like and love, hospitality. Someone who actually takes care of uh, not only the guests, (laughs) but also... um, his own people, and uh, I'm really excited to welcome Kai Shukowski. Kai, uh, thank you for joining today, and uh, I'm really uh, looking forward to um, hear you more about your story. Uh, I kind of had a privilege to get to know you through uh, great friends, and um, uh, I know you are running uh, one of the most successful uh, hotels, and uh, a five-star one, for the, for those who are wondering, but I'll, I'll let you kind of share a brief introduction, and Tell us more about your story. Um, welcome. Well, Marion, thank you very much for the uh, nice introduction. I'm not sure about talented, youngest still. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, but obviously, we're doing our very best here uh, we can. Um, yeah, as you said, I've uh, been working here in this beautiful hotel in the capital of Lithuania, Vilnius, uh, for the last four years now. I've um, been loving it ever since I came here. Uh, actually, started in the winter. Uh, of 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 uh, when I came here from the sun of Dubai, so I moved from a previous posting in Dubai, uh, coming here having been greeted by minus 15 degrees in a completely new place. Uh, but wow. uh, to be honest, yeah, yeah, it was quite a transition uh, from 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 30 degrees to minus 15. But uh, I love the, the I love the place, the people. It's a, it's an amazing city to 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 live and visit. If you haven't been here, definitely uh, once. That uh, mayhem or stops and slows down. Uh, I really encourage you to visit beautiful cities, uh, amazing uh, city. With pleasure. I mean, uh, well, first of all, tell us uh, what attracted you to get into hospitality in first place, and then I would like to hear more about uh, really the how did you make that transition? Because most people dream of, of being being in Dubai in a hot place and <laughs> having that life, you know, and, and you joining coming back to Europe and especially in Vilnius. How, how did that happen? And, and Definitely, definitely. Look, I mean, it started when I was, I was probably 14, 15 years old. I mean, I was fortunate to travel with my parents as a kid, uh, you know, quite a bit. And I love to, you know, you know, we didn't stay in the craziest places. But, you know, just the fact of traveling alone, checking into a hotel. And I always had this, this magical feeling, you know, being in a, in, a, in a new place. And I always thought it would be so nice to, to, to see what these people do behind the, behind the reception, behind the counter. You know? And I started, you know, reading more about it and getting interested in and uh, eventually, yeah, my, 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 my heart was there. I had the feeling I, I want to do more of this. My parents were not very happy with my decision. I can tell you that. They were actually anything but happy. They said, you know, if all else fails, you can always become, uh, you know, hotelier. That's like the worst uh, part you can go to, right? <laughs> they want to be the doctor or pilot. These are the typical things that parents want of their kids. Yeah. Um, but uh, actually, uh, my dad said, you know, if you're really serious about this, you have to do a six-month unpaid internship in a hotel. If you still like it afterwards, we will support you in your future and obviously with the studies, etc. Um, and so I did. I did six months in a hotel in Berlin. Absolutely loved it. Uh, fell in love with the with the job. Uh, and uh, they said, "Okay, we give up. Uh, <laughs> we are behind you." So, and then from there, it just uh, kind of evolved naturally. I studied in Dubai actually three years, one year in Switzerland. So it was a partnership school. It was amazing. I mean, Dubai is, I would say. The, the, the mecca of hospitality, so to say. It's like really, um, you know, the who is who is, is represented in Dubai, very competitive, uh, very cutting edge market, but I loved it. And that gave me the impetus to further, obviously grow my career in the company. And I was really privileged to join a fantastic company of uh, Kempinski. And uh, since joining as my first job, I never really left. Uh, obviously I love it, uh, the company, and have uh, moved and grown within ever since. Wow, what a great story. It, it, this is so common. I know you're resonating with a lot of young people right now and uh, future leaders that their parents often want them 
what they know, which they think is the best, is like to be a doctor or a pilot sure. or, you know, um, a, a diplomat or something of this kind. And, and But in actual fact, um, more often the parents and probably should listen to and pay attention to what their children actually aspire to. Because you can be successful and make extraordinary things in anything. In fact, uh, if you go into something that you don't like, you can be good at it, you can become good, but you'll never be exceptional because you always, you know, you'll never push the norm of, of what's... Uh, and and uh, industries, I mean, further to your point, industries are changing, right? I mean, a few years ago, a banker was like a great thing. Now, you know, banker is becoming more a coder, developer, because these things are becoming algorithm run, right? The same car industry. I mean, that was very attractive industry a few years ago. Now, I'm not so sure anymore. But then again, there's new industries like crypto, like fintech, and, and so many exciting things that our parents wouldn't even have known of. So I think it's very dynamic. And I agree uh, with you that uh, parents shouldn't be too overbearing on the kids' decision in their life. No, but what a what a great story that you just shared. And uh, Kai, well, hospitality is profound, I think, about uh, uh, care. And uh, this is so excited to for you to have you. You won a number of awards and recognitions. Um, tell us, uh, what is the secret to your success? What, and, 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 is, and do you think care plays some part in it? For sure. I mean, absolutely. I mean, uh, yeah, as you said, I've been, been very lucky to, to win these awards, but these awards are not because of me, but because of the team. I mean, I was, uh, uh, you know, blessed enough to lead amazing teams, um, but I think you only build an amazing team if you really uh, genuinely care. And I, I, I said it quite often myself, because there's a lot of elements. I don't have the one answer to, to, to how to build a perfect team. I guess we all try to always do that. But I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a multiple uh, factors that are part of it, but definitely care uh, and genuine, sincere care is a, a big part of it. Um, and obviously there's a lot of facets and I guess we, we speak more about it um, because, you know, it's a fine line between care. Often I see people overcaring and being nurturing, like almost to a point where you spend, you know, most of your days just listening to people's problems because once you start that, of course, people will come to you and you know, all you do is listen and, and sort out their problems, which I think is the wrong care, right? I mean, you should be approachable, you should be open for them to come to you with their issues and to look after. But I think it's, it's a bit like, uh, you know, when you look to the animal kingdom, uh, kingdom uh, you know, when, when, when uh, the children are young, the, the parents are nurturing them, giving them the right tools, food, resources, whatever, and, and skills to survive, and then they're on their own to make it happen. And then, you know, to put these skills into the next generation. I think the same is here, right? As a, caring doesn't mean you have to listen five hours a day to the problems they have and give uh, relationship counsel. I think that's probably the wrong uh, type of result and, and, and leadership in, in that position. If you have 10 people, it might be different. If you lead 100, 1,000, 10,000, you just don't have the time. But, you know, listening to the challenges, genuinely listen, and then obviously make adjustments. So if they feel if they feel they're lacking resources, vision, support, find the right environment and build it for them so they have it and can do their job. It's not about spoon feeding and holding their hand all along, but you know, listen to it and react to it, obviously. That's the, the key importance, I think, what we try to do of giving them the right resources, tools, vision to fulfill their own path. It's not about listening to their relationship, but giving them the right environment and building a culture of care. Because I have a lot of, we have here over 100 people, right? I don't physically and, and, and yeah, have the time to listen to all of them coming to me. So what I do is I, I lead with my managers right around me, the closest to me, and build that culture, that momentum that they trust and open to me. And by doing so, uh, they are paying the same forward to their own team and it kind of trickles down, right? I mean, that's, 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 that's the hope, that's what we try to accomplish. And through that, it kind of builds that culture. It's not one person that cares and everybody's happy. It's a culture of care and that's what we try to do. Amazing. And especially now, we know hospitality is in a obviously great, uh, very challenging time um, and really difficult moments. And of course, that's... Um, uh, Kind of people have uncertainty. There's a lot of uh, really um, uh, kind of even fear in many ways, and especially if, if the right the leaders are, are not kind of leading in, in that way. And um, 
Uh, we actually even have a question here from Stian who wanted to say, could you share actually some practical advice on leading in times of crisis and uncertainty? You know, what helped you uh, to lead your team through the challenging times in the hospitality industry, especially in the last past, past few months and in the, during the crisis time? Definitely. I mean, valid question. I think we all went through our ups and downs. Um, but I always believe, you know, as a head of an organization, uh, fish smells from the head, right? So if, if, if I come in the morning to the office, to the hotel, to the team, have a briefing and I'm all depressed and negative and say how bad the, the world is and we're all going to lose our jobs tomorrow, that's not exactly instilling confidence in my team and to me that I can, you know, go through the crisis. And it's not giving them the positivity and, and the momentum they need, again, to pay it forward to their team, right? So I think it's very important that we as leaders and, 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 and you know, even if you're not the, the CEO of the company, but you're still the leader in your own department, in your little team, whatever it may be. So you as a person responsible for other people need to instill a certain can-do attitude because you always have to opt. You can say, listen, it's too much and I really think the world is going to end. Well, then leave now. You know, make space for somebody else who has a different mindset who can carry the, the shit forward. And so if you are hanging in there and I think, you know, you see the positivity and optimism, then you should display it. And uh, obviously, again, people are smart, right? They can see if you fake it. I mean, sometimes you have to fake it. We all have our bad days and we kind of have to, uh, uh, you know, come across still positive. But I really try to not overindulge in negativity and bad news because, of course, if I read all these things happening, you, you, you really start to doubt, maybe it is actually going to end and uh, we're never going to be operating the way we have been. So rather than, and, than overindulging in bad news, and I really try to uh, reduce the, 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 the amount of news I'm consuming um, on a daily basis, consciously, and rather focus on places, and we spoke before about it, like in Dubai, like in uh, Maldives, where things are happening. What are they doing? How are they doing it differently? What can we learn from other places that are succeeding? Right, so actively look at what you can control, and through this, I can then go to my team and say, Listen, guys, yes, ABC is very bad, you can't be oblivious to what's happening in the world, you still have to see what's going on. But based on this, I see an opportunity ABC. Let's discuss what do you think. Can we do Can we do it? Can we not do it? And through that, you have a healthy, more solution driven uh, discussion, which is so much better than uh, again sharing how bad the world is. And I think that by itself. Uh, instills a mindset of positivity, of can-do attitude, and something that you can control. And that gives an empowering feeling to myself and, of course, to my uh, managers and, and team members. Amazing. And, and look, you were also uh, discussing even earlier, and, and you're profound and famous for bringing innovations to, to that team, especially in, in crisis times. Um, and, and as you said, you know, there, were, there is a lot of difficult uh, decisions to be made and the world, you can't be ignorant to what's happening, of course. But also, it's an opportunity. And I'm pretty, I'm confident that while you, you guys are going through this tough time, uh, a lot of goodness is coming. And, and I'm sure when they were allowed, uh, everyone would want to travel <laughs> and visit. Yeah. So, so I think uh, it will come back and, and will come back even stronger than ever before, I think, the, the world and people appreciate it a lot more. But um, um, what, what are the kind of uh, really, what is different to your approach? What are the, how do you really bring these innovations, ideas, uh, you know, and, and give us some examples, perhaps, of something that you, you felt it was really positive and, and made a difference? Definitely. I fully agree. Again, these times are the time to experiment, try new things, and to kind of challenge the usual conventions, I suppose, because, you know, uh, you either swim or you drown, and I don't like drowning, so we try to our best to survive and get through it as, as good as possible. So, again, innovation doesn't just come from one person, it doesn't just come from myself. Uh, again, we are catalysts. We, as leaders, we try to build a culture and, and, and foster a thinking where ideas are openly voiced, shared, they're not laughed at. I, the crazier the idea, the more I like it. You know, it doesn't mean we implement it. There's a difference between ideation and execution, right? So a lot of ideas you can dream and come up with. You know, we all would love to see one day the robot doing the room service, which actually already happens in, in, in parts of China, and the self-cleaning room. So these are ideations. But then there's things that you know are tangible and you can execute tomorrow. Uh, so again, having a culture where we really openly share and discuss things. There was some really, really good stuff coming out. And... Uh, um, one of the most uh, yeah, 
during this time, greatest innovation, and I'm not sure if it's innovation, often we, we say innovation, I think a lot of things are actually evolutions, right? A lot of, you know, nobody really reinvents something completely new. So I would say rather an evolution of how things had been previously done. Uh, so what we've done, we were the first hotel uh, in, in Lithuania, uh, if not uh, parts of Europe, that kind of, um, because the restaurants and bars obviously had been shut down, so a lot of the people went into food delivery. So they kind of, you know, sign up with the Korea and just deliver the food. But again, in a five-star hotel, you you offer different kind of food and like really, you know, food that doesn't deliver too well. So we didn't want to go that route, but everybody took. So instead, we had a, a dine in the room offer. So basically, uh, what it what we did, we removed an entire floor of the restaurant, removed the beds the desk and so on and, and set the furniture from the restaurant into each of the rooms and uh, we allowed guests from the outside to basically come in and uh, reserve a room basically stay in the room you're not paying extra and you dine in uh, as you would in the restaurant but in the five-star hotel room with a beautiful view over the city center of Vilnius. that's been so hugely popular because again you can't really go anywhere else after a while you're fed up ordering all your burgers and what have you so it was a, such a welcomed uh, addition to the to the local market that we really had such a over uh, demand that we couldn't cater to to a point where we had to bring back more people you know that we previously had to send back and uh, it was really really nice to see and I think that was one of the most profitable uh, uh, and guest pleasing innovation. There's also innovation the evolution that goes on on behind these uh, curtains that you know guests maybe not see. But I think in terms of most visible and really helping us to survive these critical times, this was really something that, that, that just came up. And that, again, that was part of a group discussion. That wasn't just me who said, I want to have this. It was a healthy discussion we had. And just one thought to the, led to another. We said, let's give it a go. And it was hugely successful and popular. So I'm, I'm really proud of my team for, for, for that. Amazing. Well, look, it shows that you can actually do great things and even bring back more people to, to work. So uh, sure. what a great thing, Kai, and thinking. And, and you said this is where the, the power of the team comes in, when you genuinely care. And of course, you're right. As a leader, you, you, you need to um, uh, display that positivity, that vision, that uh, mm -hmm. uh, optimism. Uh, and as, sometimes it's not always, as you say, possible. But, you, you know, at least most of the times, you know, it's your duty to, to help and make a difference in profound difference. Um, Kai, tell us. Um, what are the most, uh, let's say, interesting places you visit? Because, you you know, coming from hospitality and you're running a five-star hotel, uh, th this is a passion of yours. You know, I can I can see that you, you to discover, to visit. Sure. So, you know, it will be, I'm pretty sure it will be very interesting to, to hear some of those uh, most exclusive or interesting, you know, experiences that you've had in, in, in throughout your experience. Well, I think we only have one hour, so sadly, I mean, that might be a, <laughs> a segment on its own, because I think there's so many. Um, but, pick the uh, best one. Pick one of one. one, one. <laughs> Look, I mean, really, I mean, it's all over the world, and I really respect uh, really uh, people in the hospitality industry, because you're always, it's, it's very dynamic in a way that, you know, people's experience, we always say we want to exceed people's experience, right? That's the main goal we have. You know what? Ex exceed your expectations. Well, if you always stay in five-star hotels, you know, people's job is to make sure that we exceed your expectations. So if you come in after staying in Four Seasons, Mandarin Oriental, uh, Ritz-Carlton, the finest, and Kavinsky, of course, the finest hotels around the world, and you come to me, how can I exceed your expectations? So, you know, I love the fact that people always come up with new things and, and try different, uh, different ideas. And really, I don't only look at luxury segment, right? I look at uh, all, all sorts of segments. So, you know, there's so many examples that come to mind, but I like very much when, you, for example, dine with the entertainment attached to it. So not just amazing food. Amazing food these days is a given, right? If I go to a fancy restaurant, I would expect uh, amazing food. I mean, that's, that's like, uh, if you go to a five-star hotel, you expect an amazing bed and a good night's sleep. But I like uh, when there is a story told or some, some elements around it. I mean, I was lucky enough uh, to go with my girlfriend uh, the last two weeks we've been to Dubai. Uh, no, I'm not that tent, but uh, because we probably spent too much time in hotels and restaurants to check them out. Uh, but, you know, for me, it's so amazing to see uh, the life that's happening within the restaurant. So in addition to serving you the food, and it starts by the food not just being served, but being prepared at your table. And I think that's something so different, you know, that not just here's your plate, please enjoy, 
but they come and there's a story. The chef, you know, from Greece, you know, he prepares the salad in front of you and he tells the story when he pours the olive oil over, it's from his backyard in Greece. If it's true or not, I don't know, but it's an authentic uh, delivery. I believe them and it was a really touching moment. In another restaurant, they brought us, uh, uh, while we're dining, all of a sudden the waiters brought uh, some plates, you know, on the table. Plates were sitting there and it's kind of weird. And then half an hour later, she came back and said, yeah, the show is about to begin. So there was some dances going on. And uh, as the tradition has it, uh, while they dance, you have to get up and smash the plates uh, on, the, on the floor, basically. So it's such an entertainment value, while instead of just eating a meal, you have that kind of, you know, activity, action going on, everybody smiling, everybody getting out their phone, you know, it's some, some, so, so captivating experience. I think these things are ever more important because, you know, people are bored of just, you know, sitting at the table, white tablecloth, and just eating your, your average meal. I think we have to go above and beyond to come up with new experiences and, and, and challenge, again, challenge conventional uh, dining or hospitality in, in, in that way. And I think people are ready, they expect different things. And uh, it's our job to, to give it to them. And those who do it the best uh, will, will, will capture the, the, the majority of the people coming. I love it, you know, as you said. And this is uh, so true because it's, it's about experiences. And someone said one of the best investments you can have is invest in, in a great experiences. That you, because one experience is not just the moment. It's the story you tell afterwards. How many times you're going to share that experience? How much good feeling is going to create to you and the people around you? So For sure. absolutely. And, and this is another very great question here that, that comes exactly in that line of vision. And, and Stelz is actually asking another one. and saying, what could other industry learn from hospitality when it comes down to exceptional customer care? And from your experience, what makes uh, a guest coming back over and over again? Definitely. I think uh, a lot, and that's why um, a lot of, for example, when I studied in my hotel school, um, more than half the people actually ended up in different industries than hospitality, because a lot of the companies are actively, they know they have an issue with their service delivery, so they actively go after these hospitality people, because they know, they understand business, they understand the customer journey, and they bring that luxury touch and that, that, that customer uh, journey thinking uh, to the table. So I think, yeah, I'll give you an example. I was, uh, I'm from Germany, from Berlin, uh, and uh, I was there last year, not last year, sorry, last year, I was not sure, two years ago, <laughs> before uh, the whole COVID uh, um, situation. And, you know, you have obviously a lot of shops that complain about Amazon taking over, uh, you know, all their trade and they're closing and, and, and yeah. you know, there's nothing they can do about it. So, yes, on the one hand side, it's true, but I've been to a very nice men's boutique, uh, where I was, and they took a different approach. They really end and, and, and living that uh, customer journey. So basically, instead of just coming in and say, can I help you? Are you looking for something? The standard question, which you know, usually you just shrug off and say, no, I'm just gonna have a look. And uh, they said, you know, welcome, sir. Um, before you start browsing, may I offer you a coffee? Yeah, sure, I'll, I'll take a coffee, your pleasure. It was not just a standard coffee. It was a beautiful, uh, they had actually a small barista machine. They invested into having a proper barista, a man making a fantastic cappuccino. Wow. And, you know, obviously, once you sit down, you're not going to walk with your coffee, you sit down, enjoy it. Uh, came a, a fantastic gentleman, really genuine, uh, nice personality, and just started chatting with me. You know, what my style is, what I like, what kind of hobbies I have. So, you know, based on that, let me let me curate a couple of options. If you don't like them, fair enough. But you know, while while you're enjoying your coffee, let me bring. So on the iPad, he was kind of basically uh, showing me a few styles that he could see on me. And I was sitting there. I said, I, I didn't even think about buying anything. I literally just wanted to browse. But through that experience, I was almost compelled to to buy something. And I did in the end. So I think again, that just shows rather than you know going the usual customer convention. Think outside the box, be different, and, uh, and, 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 and see what you can control. Rather than blaming Amazon for your dropping business, think outside the box and see what you can actively control and do different than your competitors. Exactly. Amazon could be the best thing that's happened to your shop, and maybe you come up with a, with a great idea that, that actually uh, differentiates in that sense. And Well, look, I, what you're sharing, Kaying, is, is greatly valuable, and, and thank you for you know, really encouraging others to think outside the box. In, in that aspect. Uh, however, I know one thing, that to get into that state of creativity, because a lot of innovations come when you are in that, you, you mentioned it, you had a good coffee, you were relaxed, you, you were 
compelled, you know, you were pampered, you, you kind of got into the, your energy was in the right place to, to start thinking about that. Yes. And, and this is so important. And, and I see that you knew you have that positivity and that kind of uh, innovation and creativity mindset. Tell us about what do you do? How do you take care of yourself first to kind of be in that state? What helps you? What are your habits? What are the things that really personally you do uh, so that people can actually maybe maybe look it up and, and try themselves and see sure. what how could they get in that creative mindset? And, and, and because if you have a lot of problems and you're so stressed out, uh, creativity is really the last thing you may have. You know, it's like... Fully agree, fully agree. And I always say, I mean, uh, health above all. I mean, I even say, really, above all, because if I'm not healthy, I cannot be there for my girlfriend. I cannot be there for my family. And certainly I won't be thriving in my career. And I won't foster any creativity or what have you. You know, if you're, if you're not healthy in the hospital, you caught anything, you can't deliver top performance. So often... Yeah. You know, people know that it seems like, yeah, that, that makes sense, that makes sense. But then when they actually when you look at their day-to-day -day life, what they do and what they do to their body, you know, it doesn't seem to be aligned. So I really try to take this serious. Now, I'm by no way uh, and means, uh, you know, a perfectionist. I think there's a lot of things that I can also be better. Uh, but I think especially since last year, I've taken this even more serious to really try to reduce, uh, you know, things that may be detrimental to your health, like even drinking. I really, I mean, hardly, I mean, I've never been much of a drinker, but now I, if I have one glass a month, that's already a lot. Uh, so I really try to, to, to cut down this. Uh, exercise, it's, it's so key for me to move. And I felt that, you know, the first time when we had the first lockdown, and I think we all went through the motions, the fitness studios were closed, and uh, you couldn't really go outside because of the quarantine measures. So honestly, these three months were probably the hardest for me because it was completely, um, you try to do some home workouts and so on, but I could immediately feel how my energy levels uh, went down. So, because energy, people think the more they exercise, the less energy they have. I think it's the opposite. The more you exercise and move and, 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 and do, it actually gives you incremental energy, right? Uh, so, people have the, the wrong perception. I think, you know, better than moving, uh, let's, let's binge watch four hours Netflix on the couch. And that's actually the opposite to, to energy creation. So I really believe in, in exercising and normal times, I would do six to seven times a week. Now it's four to five times. And it's, you know, can be just for a brisk walk outside for one hour, but just get the steps and get the movement, get your body movement. Uh, and that helps you to, to, for me at least, think clearer and, and yeah, come up with more uh, ideas. Secondly, as I said, I really try to remove all the distractions, uh, especially negative distractions around me, starting from news, right? I mean, of course, as you said before, you have to read the news. You need to know what's happening in the world, but be very mindful of what kind of news you're reading. A lot of magazines that magazine is only about and uh, people reading the comments and all these internet trolls. I think that's probably not going to do you too well. Uh, so I try to be very careful of reading news and, you know, the good thing of being an English speaker and having access to the internet, you can read news from a very variety of countries. So I try to get a more global view and different perspective. So I'm sure uh, you have the same. You can see, you know, maybe from your home country, people are very much biased to one way, but then you read Australian news, let's say, and it's quite a different perspective. So I think it's always refreshing to take a different take on it. Not one way is better than the other, but just to kind of get a more holistic view on things. Uh, secondly, um, or thirdly, uh, the same with social media. Obviously, we're all uh, now sitting more at home, uh, using our phones now much more. And, you know, it's, it's interesting to see, you know, you may be thinking, you may be writing a report, working on a new project. You, you just want to relax one second and open social media and scroll through your Facebook and Instagram. And, uh, you know, you think it's just uh, five minutes of relaxation, but actually what you see has such a huge impact on your mind. So... When you see a post uh, from friends talking about some negative stuff that happens, it takes your mind off things and kind of puts you in a bad mindset. So um, I actually really been conscious about what's going to come up on my feed. So actually, even though I'm still let's say, friends with my friends on, on, on Facebook and Instagram, I try to mute all the things that doesn't serve me value. So I really focus on valuable content, inspirational quotes, people that really high achievers. So when I open my phone and go on Instagram, all I see is inspiring people, 
things that can do and, and, and kind of gives me really a, a boost, an energy boost, rather than, oh my God, you know, this is complaining about that, here's another virus, because that's not going to help me and serve me in any, any way, shape or form. Uh, so I think that's super, super important, your, your, your feed. Uh, people underestimate it, but when you actually go into your analytics, we spend two, three hours, some of us, uh, looking at the phones uh, and it has a huge impact on the way you think. And lastly, uh, I started this probably five, six years ago because uh, I was always obsessed about morning routines. So I was looking at all the morning routines of successful people, tried a lot of things, not everything stuck. But the one thing that stuck with me is taking ice cold showers. So this, oh. trust me, take an ice cold shower. I actually take it in the morning and in the evening. Um, it helps me to relax also. But in the morning, if you take it first thing in the morning, Trust me, you can't be grumpy after that. Uh, you will just have a big smile, you're energized, you won't need the coffee for a while. So that's the best uh, I can really recommend. Uh, I love it. For how long do you take the cold shower? How, how, how do you not that, I would say 30 to 40 seconds, slightly less than a minute, but really on the coldest it gets, which was a bit disappointing in Dubai because it doesn't get so cold. But trust yeah. me, here in Vilnius, when I came back, I got it nicely because we have outside up to minus 10 degrees. Cold is very cold here. And I love it. It just energizes you and, and you just feel great about it. So again, the energy in your body that you have and that you bring to your workforce, to your energy, to your team, it's so key because, you know, if we sit here and we're both like totally drained and out of energy, you know, the audience listening now uh, or the team, if you're in a team meeting, they, they, they just lose engagement and lose respect and confidence in you because they want a leader that inspires them and you can't inspire if you're not healthy or energetic and I think that's a huge part of it. I love it and I can actually con concur with you. Uh, I, you know, I've been taking cold showers for almost a year now and uh, I can tell you the, the benefits are significant. I tried different things and, and I've seen what others are doing and so forth and, and it depends. But when you get the, the cold shower, um, the body is, is kind of, they, they say a little bit of inconvenience every day gives yeah. you long convenience for the rest of your life. So, yeah. so really that, that kind of uh, uh, really what you're saying, I, I absolutely recommend as well. And, and it's helped me to resist significant amount of stress that I, I you know, when you deal with many things, Definitely. the cold shower really um, helps the heart, helps the body, helps the cells reduces inflammation uh, really the, it's it's completely and you know just to kind of you mentioned 30 40 seconds uh, absolutely and then do you put to 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 hot and then again to cold or just a little bit on the practical <laughs> side <laughs> technical shower advice here but no no to your point to be fair i start on a warm shower because i yeah you, know, you have to still do the body hygiene right uh, but I always finish so the last 30 40 so when you come out of it you just energize and actually um, yeah, we started writing, uh, we actually put a waterproof notepad in the shower now because actually that's also where I get a lot of my ideas. Uh, so, but then often you're kind of stuck, you want to write it down on your phone, uh, try to keep things digital, but uh, you know, then you, know, you don't have your phone with you, so we put the notepad, so you put it there and then uh, you obviously afterwards uh, put it into your phone. So again, shower for me is such a, such a yeah, holy place, so to say, because it uh, kind of is my thinking safe zone and place and it, it gives me the energy i need for the day like elon musk is also using the showers to oh, yeah. ideas. Okay. Uh, okay. and by the way there's different just to finish on that topic you're right there's different ways you can google you can search what works for you but uh, you can start with 10 seconds just to yes, try totally. 10 20 seconds and, and they, they were saying even there was uh, even a system that uh, I'm, i i probably will, will try for the next few months is where you do 20 seconds cold, 10 seconds hot or warm, yeah. or warm yeah. and, then, and then interval for five minutes, 20, oh. 10, 20, 10. And you do that and that also gives you the best of both worlds because there's a lot of benefits in the sauna on the, on the warm side. But if you Definitely. combine that with that temperature volatation, um, uh, so the var variation of the temperature, it just helps to significantly to um, uh, awaken your body, and there's a lot of goodness. You can search it uh, as well. And uh, so, uh, thank you for sharing all this. There's also you mentioned about many other things about um, health of exercise, and and as you mentioned, um, uh, there is a lot more than just just to train once. And and you know, I think it's. The, some of the um, what I've also figured out is some great articles in Dalian, and, and uh, they, they say that the secret in if you look at those blue zones where people live 
to over a hundred, and it's like Sardinia and four yeah. other zones in the world. Um, it's interesting that you mentioned move, walk. They engage in low uh, physical activities during the whole day, pretty much. And um, fortunately, with our kind of lives, that's not necessarily possible. But you can find a way to deal with it. So, so Absolutely. a few a few ideas that uh, was suggested is every time before you have a meal, there was this great. Um, uh, really uh, athletes that was sharing this and I was really impressed. He says he does um, uh, like 30 seconds of intense exercise before he, he goes and have a meal. Um, and basically have the, have the, that allows the 30 seconds. It could be like uh, push-ups or uh, burpees, whatever. <laughs> Just go to the toilet, wash your hands and do something. Funny you say that. To be honest, my team already knows that before any big conference calls or big meetings, I usually do push-ups before because, again, it just gives me that little extra energy boost and alertness uh, that I wouldn't have otherwise, and I fully agree with you. It's not about going one time a week, three hours in the gym. That will not help you at all. It's about consistency and rather little less but done over a long time. I mean, everybody tries to find the next big uh, the fix or the hack or tell me how to lose you know, 20 pounds in two weeks. It's really not rocket science. It's all out there. It's clean food, sleep well, exercise, you know. And if we manage to make this a habit and a routine, you know, it's like brushing your teeth. You don't have it on your to-do list. You, you just do it because it becomes a habit and a routine. So the same with walking, same with movement, the same with exercising. You know, it's, it shouldn't be a chore that, oh, my God, I have to go to the routine. You just do it. You just put your shoes out in the morning, uh, the night before already. So in the morning, they greet you. You have everything to go. You don't think about it. You just execute. You just do it. So that I really recommend everyone to, to, to make it second nature. So it's not uh, something you, you dread doing. You don't even think about Love it, indeed. And, and uh, um, there's another great question here. We talk about health and uh, Stionis is also asking another question about productivity, you know, <laughs> and performance and achieving goals. And uh, But what do you think? And as society, talk more about fun, joy, happiness too, you know, especially in these times. <laughs> do you think we should I, talk more about that? No, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer of, uh, you know, the Chinese said it well, Chinese, but the yin and yang, right? I mean, there's uh, yeah. energy spend and, and, and energy need to recover. That's why we sleep at night, uh, most of us, I suppose, and uh, spend the energy we got uh, during the day. So I think there is definitely a need to balance. Uh, it was, you know, back in the days, you know, when the industrialization it was really man, muscle, power, uh, that kind of really physical uh, time spent. It's shifted over the years to more mental workers. Uh, and I think... Uh, it's 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 the same, if not harder. You know, to sit the whole day in front of numbers, accountants, bankers, cashiers. You know, a lot of respect for those people. Uh, yet you don't use your body at all. So I think uh, it's it's very important to to people say work-life balance, but it should be an integration where you kind of you know just to combine the two. It's not you know you switch off one and the other continues because again we still have we're still subject to our phones, right? And it's not that I'm general manager of a hotel and you know I finish my work at seven. Uh, so if you call me at 8, sorry, uh, call me tomorrow. I'm still going to be available. You know, if there's an emergency, I'm still yeah. going to come to the hotel. So you can't just switch off as leaders of companies. We are there, you know, on holidays, on, on the weekend. We, we have to be there and accountable for our team and our uh, guests and, and customers. So I think, again, being mindful of, of or conscious of when you are off to really try to make an office to disconnect. I think that's important. So, for example, one of the best things I've done is to turn off the push notification uh, for emails. Naturally, all of us check our inboxes so many times a day, right? So I don't need right away a push email now uh, to see a newsletter or, or some email that's anyways an FYI to take over my thinking space because you will be distracted. If I get now a push notification, instead of talking to you, I will briefly look at it and say, oh my God, he wants something. So I'm only half with you. The other half, I'm dedicated to this email, which is so ir irrelevant right now. So uh, I think, again, being very conscious of how much time and energy and thinking we spend. When we're off, we try to make an effort to be properly off, relax. Uh, doesn't mean you have to sleep in. I think people make the mistakes on the weekend when they're off. They just sleep in until 2, 3 o'clock, and I think that's relaxation. The body needs, again, consistency and routine. Keep waking up at the same time, but then rather go for a walk, do something different, do something fun that you normally don't do, uh, spend time with people that inspire you. 
you know, um, and, and, and these sort of things. So I, I really believe in hard work, but I don't think it's the right thing to only work hard and don't look after yourself. Because again, ultimately, there will be detriment on your health, which, as we spoke, is, is, is bad for your long-term success and happiness. Absolutely. I agree. I, I believe you can have it all. I mean, it's not easy, but you got to learn these things. You got, and, and start to automate. When you start, introduce, um, I, I would probably advise to do one at a time. Maybe don't introduce 100 things at the, at the same time because it'll be overwhelming. But uh, overcome one, master it, then get another one, another one. And then in different categories. And you're right. You can... Um, Call someone you haven't spoken in a long time, you know, and yeah. uh, that you really want to reconnect and talk. Um, do something different. You said it so well. I mean, like, instead of doing the routine, break the routine, switch off, really find this time to relax. Thank you for all these kind of valuable insights in the, on the practical tools, uh, Kai. It's really very helpful. And uh, look, what excites you? You know, I'm curious. You've done, you've seen a lot. You're, how old are you, by the way? What's your... Uh, where are you in your in your life journey? <laughs> I'm uh, 34 years old. Uh, feel 24. Um, Amazing. But, um, yeah, that's definitely for you know age again. Is such a such a you know factor that's just a number. Uh, and again, I think the whole life changes. You know, I'm you know, when you were 25 back in the days, you had to be married, three kids, and your 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 whole life figured out. Now we live up to 100. I mean, my plan is to live 120. That's my goal to be at least 120 years old. So, you know, when I had my 30th birthday, I said I reached the first quarter of my life, right? So I uh, love it. And I, and, and I think it's, you know, you have to, I am a believer in setting goals and objectives. So if, you know, because when I was starting my career, I had a lot of guests uh, that come to me, you know, kind of on the older side. They would say, listen, I have another four or five years. And then I made it. I said, sorry, well, what did you make? Uh, well, I retire and I can enjoy life. And I think that's like Why the don't you, enjoy that? you know, you that means that, exactly. That means the majority of your life you didn't enjoy doing something you don't like. And I think life is too short uh, for that. I think, uh, and I really would not want to be with 60 years old just sitting in my rocking chair and, and enjoying that because I think the body needs a reason to get up in the morning. If it doesn't have that anymore, eventually it won't get up, right? So if I have a clear objective of getting 120 years old and keep myself busy, I think uh, there is a way uh, to, to, to get there. What makes me happy? I mean, obviously, uh, a lot of things, uh, starting with, obviously, uh, travel, which we all love and dearly miss. Uh, you know, the last two weeks for me was really uh, eye-opening, and I just once again fell in love with traveling, seeing new things, uh, seeing beautiful hotels, meeting nice people. It's just so amazing. Uh, meeting uh, inspiring people. In Dubai, we met so many new people that we didn't know before, um, that when you listen to their story and their humble beginnings, it's not you know the people who studied at Stanford and their, their parents are rich people from where have you, but the people who are self-made with nothing and came up with a great idea, chased consistently and, and, and became successful, it kind of, you know, it puts things in perspective. When you think you, you're doing quite well and you're on a good track, you feel like, wow, there's actually another level. You better step it up, my friend. And it kind of inspires me. I like to look up and people... Uh, rather than being envious, I say, wow, if he has done it uh, or her has, uh, has done it, you know, what can I do to, to get myself there, right? So it kind of pushes me uh, to not get comfortable because you said it before, uh, get uncomfortable. Everybody seeks comfort in life. We all want to be comfortable. But comfort is the biggest, uh, you know, slow down to your growth. So you need that discomfort Absolutely. getting outside of your routine in order to grow. And, and that's what I'm seeking and I get... Uh, a lot of pleasure out of this and trying new things. You know, we were first time in the desert in Dubai driving a desert buggy. I mean, I loved it. Such a fun activity. It gave me so much joy. I mean, it's not obviously something I'll do every day, but again, different activities, like you said, uh, skydiving. What just try different things that you normally wouldn't do that kind of, uh, you know, light up the spark and, and give you new input, input into your day-to-day -day life. Love it. You know, there's so much to do, as you said. You know, guys, objective is 120 years old, guys. So better get up your health habits better <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and get at least to the triple number, at least to 100. <laughs> and, and that is definitely possible with what's coming. I, I'm, I'm absolutely sure. convinced that uh, this is the way forward with uh, care, uh, health care, the right. Uh, and as you said, it doesn't, it doesn't happen just like that. It comes with uh, no. consistency and conscious Correct. efforts Correct. in that. 
And um, Kai, what do you think uh, we can do to spread the care culture? Well, obviously things like this help. Uh, hopefully we, we, we impact at least one person. If not more, that would be great. But you know, if, if after this talk, one person goes away and says, yeah, listen, I mean, maybe I should be more caring and, and step up my, 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 my care and listen to my team and be a good leader. I think we already done our little part here for today. But in general, I think, you know, Spreading, spreading the awareness and leading by example. I think, you know, if, if, if you see the leaders back in the day, I mean, I think we all had such bosses that were rude, didn't listen, you could never speak to them. And that was kind of the role model. Um, and that was seen as acceptable. I think these days it's very clear it's no longer uh, the way how you can run a company and people would leave you. So I think the fact that, you know, good leaders are out there, are speaking about it, are sharing their principles, I think it kind of builds, uh, once again, a sort of global uh, approach and thinking of, of what a good leader should be and what they should be doing. And, and through that, I think uh, hopefully, you know, up and coming leaders are learning their way and finding their way in the process. And again, what is care today might be different in 10, 20 years, right? And it's different to different people. Uh, you know, care in China might be different than care in, in, in Germany. Um, so, you know, you have to be smart enough and adapt to where you are, to who you talk to and who needs what. But I think just being aware that this is a crucial topic and the fact that you uh, do such great uh, job around this whole topic, I think speaks for you and, and, and hopefully inspires a lot of people to step up their own care game, so to say. No, this is uh, greatly appreciated and all these wisdoms and, and advices. And um, is there a situation when your care was put to the test, something that it was very challenging or difficult a decision you had to make? Look, I mean, obviously it's, it's, it's you know, in hotels you see, you see everything from guest uh, challenges to employee challenges so you have, you see a full spectrum of life, right? Anything that happens in life, you see it at some stage in the, in the hotel. Um, so obviously a lot of things happening but of course, you know, as I said before, and I think that's why it's a fine line between listening and over listening or being too empathetic because you know some people sometimes do take advantage of that and you know you, you start listening by one thing and giving advice but you know once they do continuously coming back and almost take advantage of it to a point where you can't really do your own job or be available for other people because they are over using and drowning your own energy again you're at risk of uh, losing the energy you have that you could give to other people as well so it doesn't mean you just shut the door in their face but be very transparent and say, listen, I mean, this is as much as I can do. Uh, but in your own personal life, you know, that's, that's not, I can give you advice and a few pointers, but I'm not responsible for your own personal decisions in your own life. And, you know, obviously I don't want to go into too much detail because it is personal, but I've seen that where people really, you know, bring all their problems at home and so on to the workplace and expect you as a manager or leader to fix them. And that's not the role. So you have to be, again, not just push them away, but be transparent and say, listen, I mean, I'd love to help you and I can give you a few advice and some life wisdoms uh, that maybe you experience. But, you know, there needs to be clear boundaries. I mean, we talk about job is one thing, but your personal life. And so I think, you know, in the beginning, maybe I didn't set these rules and I saw that they were maybe overstepped their boundaries. So now I'm being very transparent. So listen, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to, you know, to, to, to give a few pieces of advice if that helps. Uh, but, you know, we're here to work and to deliver uh, service to our guests. And that's what I, it is. I love what you said because care is also honesty. And if something doesn't work it does, and say, look, and you have to part way with someone or say, look, this is who we are. And this is how we do things. And if it doesn't yeah. work, you know, it, that's fine. No hard feelings. But also honesty makes, a, you know, it's a great way to, to deliver. So thank you for sharing that. And Kai, final question. I'm sure there's a lot more to talk about with you. It's such a pleasure to uh, kind of uh, go on and, and talk about these great uh, stories. And thank you for allowing yeah. us, you know, a bit deeper and sharing some practical things and mentioning a number of tools that you use for your personal uh, um, really care. Um, and finally, just to wrap it up, what is your uh, vision? Since you want to live to 120 as a goal, you know, <laughs> so I better ask you for what's your a vision for, for a better world in the next uh, post-COVID, the next probably one to three years, mid-term and maybe long-term, which is more kind of decades ahead. So, yeah. For the world itself or how I see myself in the world? 
you know, well, your future for your vision for better future. What, what do you see? You know. Okay. Look, I think I mean obviously it all starts by hopefully getting through this uh, global pandemic sooner than later. I think we've all had enough uh, by now. It's been uh, really challenging, well, almost twelve months now that uh, that we've been in it. Uh, and you know, to be fair, the end is not really in sight, but uh, it, it can only get better from here. So I'm, I'm positive it will definitely improve sooner than later. So once that's behind us, again, of course, there is so many global problems and. Uh, <laughs> We are obviously not here to, to, to solve uh, the world's matters, but uh, I think, again, spreading positivity, and I know that's not a, a good word to say anymore. I still like the word, and I mean it in a good sense, not in a coronavirus positivity sense. Uh, spreading positivity, and, and, and if, if that crisis has taught us anything, is I think taking charge of the things that you can control, rather than leaving things to chance or to, to things that are beyond us. Everybody uses this force majeure, force majeure. something is out of my hands, nothing I can do. There's always something that you can do, that you can control. So look for the solutions, look for what you can impact, and however small that may be. Uh, but there's always a way how you can be different and you can control something. Because if you completely uh, without control, that I think that's a sad way to live. And that way you're certainly not going to reach 120 years. So take ownership, ownership of your mistakes, ownership of your wins, and ownership of what you can control, and then lead the way from the front and, and stay positive, stay optimistic, and I think good things uh, will happen for sure. Great. And what about the, the kind of more longer term? How do you see the world? You know, uh, what's, what's your <laughs> vision? What are you excited? Well, uh, well, what's kind of the long term, uh, you know? Well, if you ask me like that, then I'm mean, listening to uh, the richest man in the world, Elon Musk, uh, you know, and his uh, endeavors uh, reaching to Mars. Well, I'd be happy to one day maybe go beyond the world. That'd be interesting to see. And if I live I'd have a, country, I'd have, a I have a hotel <laughs> with, <laughs> uh, with robots serving that they might argue amongst each other. <laughs> exactly. And open the first Kempinski on the Mars. That would be the challenge. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Look, uh, thank you so much, Kai. And thank you, everyone, for joining in today. There are a number of uh, um, great comments. And I thank you for Dario Mora for obviously sending a comment and say hello from uh, obviously Sydney, you know, as well, from a LinkedIn user as well. So thank you, everybody, for, you know, tuning in. And, and of course, we will uh, record this. So it will stay for generations to come. But most of all, thank you, Kai, for spending the time. And thank you for giving back and, and being a giver. My pleasure. And let's catch up in 80 years. With, with pleasure, Kai. We'll be, we'll be soon. So let's see you guys, you know, in, in a 90, what, what is it? 80, according to you, 86 80, years. Yeah, 86 exactly. years. Amazing. Great. Thanks for listening. And we hope you enjoyed this episode. Find out more about the leaders who care across the main social media channels and help us spread the care culture in your own community, first by taking care of yourself and then of others around you. It all starts with one person, one act of kindness. What is one thing you can do today to make your environment better? Stay inspired and stay caring. See you next time.